Welcome to The Magic of Music, a podcast about why music is so important to us. I'm your host, Matt Speaker. Well, hello, friends. I hope you're all doing well. We're in the middle of a decent uh, winter storm. It's been really quite fun for me. I enjoy changes in weather, and so uh, things are cold, and I do this down in my basement, so I hope you don't hear me chattering too much <laughs> with my teeth, but... Anyway, I love being with you today, and I am really excited to talk about a amazing video of Hans Zimmer discussing the music of Dune. As I was writing and doing all of this, I realized I only got past the first three sentences. And so now this is going to be considered a part one, <laughs> and next week I will do a part two. Uh, I don't know who, who knows, maybe I'll get real excited about another issue or a deal or the discussion and I'll just wind up being a part three, but we'll see right now. I'm just only going to deal with the very, very beginning of this. So here is Hans Zimmer himself. Maybe in the future, we will not have regular beats. Maybe we'll, we will have actually progressed uh, as human beings that we don't need a disco beat to enjoy ourselves. It could be something much more advance and why okay right there that's it that's all we're gonna wind up talking about today so again this is miscellany number 14 and if you don't know what a miscellany is you really need to go back to the beginning of what i've been doing in this whole project to understand a miscellany and i think you would really enjoy the very first one anyway and so i would encourage you to do that and then you'll understand what i'm talking about with miscellanies um, all right, the very first comment. He says, maybe in the future we will not have regular beats. Maybe we will actually, or he says, maybe we will have actually progressed as human beings that we don't need disco beats to enjoy your, ourselves. And he finishes by saying, it could be something much more advanced. Now, before I jump into this, I want to be really clear about a couple of things. If you've ever been interviewed, ever, you understand the pressure that is put on you to put together a thought, a good thought, a coherent thought. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you don't have time to craft those thoughts or to wordsmith your language. And so I don't want to come across uh, with this miscellany as being overly critical of Hans Zimmer. Uh, this gentleman is an incredible composer of film scores, as we all know. And uh, he is, um, he's fun to listen to. He, he, has, he has given us some of the most memorable melodies of our time. And so, but I, I, I'm knowing full well that maybe his real thoughts aren't exactly what he's saying. And maybe through a discussion, he would kind of temper this a little bit. And so, uh, so Hans, you're listening. Uh, let's have lunch. I would love to talk to you about exactly what's being said here. And, uh, and maybe you'd even let me record it so that uh, the audience here would enjoy listening to that. That would be great. So uh, we'll get on that and I'll, I'll let you know how that goes. All right. Um, my first comment is this idea of progression of humanity in regards to regular beats. All right, so let's deal with this word regular first. Regular beats. I think a better word choice would have been steady beats. 
And I, I think this is actually what he means because he uses the disco sound or the disco beat as an example of what he called regular beats. Okay, so any I believe what he means by his statements is that humanity will be beyond that to enjoy themselves with music. All right, here we go. Take a listen to this. Okay, starting right here. Uh, so this is a flamenco guitarist, Yazin uh, Ibrahim. Hope I say that correctly. And a dancer, Melina Nayar. Now, it, it could be very well that they are creating this beat through accents. But uh, I do know that there is a tradition in traditional or folk Spanish dancing that uses what we call mixed meters. A mixed meter, for those of you that don't know this, is where we will have, um, well, let me define meter. Those of you that are trained musicians, I might have a different take on this, so just, just give me a moment. Uh, we have two ways of dividing a beat. We can either divide the beat into twos or multiple of twos, or we can divide the beat into threes. When we divide it into twos or multiple of twos, we call that simple meter. When we divide it into threes or multiple of threes, we call that compound meter. So some examples. If I have a, here's my beat, and I go. That would be a simple meter, okay? Everything I did rhythmic-wise divided that into twos and multiples of twos, okay? Here we go. And. That is a compound meter. It was in threes. Waltzes are in threes. And we feel them in threes. Now, I'm talking only about dividing the beat. A time signature is something that organizes how rhythm is going to be used. And it tells us whether we're going to be using, well, I can get real complicated about this. I'm not going to because that's not the purpose of the video or of, the, um, of this discussion today. But um, it can tell us, most of the time it tells us, how to divide the, that beat and how to organize rhythm. Okay? And so I use meter to only talk about how a beat is divided, and I do not use it as a synonym for time signatures because to me that is something different, which is to organize. Now, it is possible that these wonderful musicians and dancers are using accents, but I want you to listen to this again. Cue it up here and feel where the pulse is. <laughs> now, now, those of us who are musicians, I, I really wrestle with it. I thought at first it was well, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. That's what it feels like to me. But then I, I thought, oh, it's 10, eight. But then literally the next thing, it wasn't that. I suppose it could be one, two, three, four, five, six, and then it could be a two, four, chunka, chunka, yump, up, 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 dee, da, 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 right? I don't know. All right, now I'm totally confused about what it is. So I'm going to let you listen again. It does repeat itself, so I'm going to let it do the repeat, and then I'll move on.
Okay, pretty cool stuff. Uh, as always, every time I I have examples on YouTube, I'll post that in the show notes if you want to watch the whole thing. The dancing is beautiful, and of course the music is amazing. And so, anyway, so listen. We listened and we listened very carefully. Now I want you to think about something. Did you enjoy it? Was that fun? It certainly was no disco beat, was it? In other words, it wasn't regular. But was it still fun? Did you still enjoy it? I would argue that although the beat isn't regular, I know it's steady. And the only reason I know that it's steady is because there's two people that are working on it together and they, they know where those where those accents are and how the beat is divided and changed. So they're using uh, mixed meters, right? Uh, but again, there's no metronome, right? There's no mind-numbing disco beat and it still was a whole lot of fun to listen to. Now, we don't need to travel to Spain to experience non-disco beats in music. And enjoy them, by the way. Take a listen to this. Already some of you know what it is. And if you didn't, you do now. Okay, here we go. One, two, three, four, five. One, two, three, four, five. One, two, three, four, five, one. If I were to give you the pulse, four, five, one, two, three, four, five, one, two, three, four, five, one, two, three, four, five, right? Yeah, I'm going to turn it off here, and I know a whole bunch of you are getting angry with me. <laughs> this is Dave Brubeck's Take 5. This is a very popular, it's become a jazz standard, and um, I'm going to argue, did you have fun? Did you enjoy that? Have millions of people enjoyed that particular tune? It doesn't have a disco beat, and many have. Isn't that incredible? Think about that. So I'm not sure that we have to have disco beats to enjoy ourselves. Now, again, I know Mr. Zimmer is in an interview setting and he's kind of going through this, but I don't know. Kind of interesting. Hey, take a listen to this. Okay, some of you are giggling, I know. And if you're my age, believe it or not, there's a, a quite a bit of nostalgia that goes with this. And so this is a disco. Yes, some of the disco kings of disco. And it was the Bee Gees. You know, how deep is your love? And they had staying alive and too much heaven and night fever and all that kind of stuff. Right? Um, <laughs> I want to ask you something. I, I did a little thing. I, I was thinking about this and I was thinking... You know, I am sure that a whole lot more hits on YouTube uh, have been for the Bee Gees than was for Dave Brubeck. And so I, I looked on that on, on the particular uh, sites. I'll let you do it, too. I'll have the show notes. And the Bee Gees had 5.3 million views. And I thought, I thought, there's no way that Take 5 has that. Then I went back to the Brubeck uh, video, and there are 83 million views. And I thought, wow, that proved me wrong. The Take 5 was a lot more popular than the Bee Gees' greatest hits. 
<laughs> this shocked me. I'll be honest. It really shocked me. Uh, but then I, I looked a little bit deeper and the Bee Gees uh, video was posted two years ago and the Brubeck was posted 14 years ago. Okay. So that makes a little bit more sense. Still 83 million views. That shocked me. And now I'm a little bit more hopeful for humanity. That's really kind of cool. But 83 million views actually proves my point. We don't need regular beats to enjoy ourselves. Uh, That's a bit of a misnomer. The next point, uh, Mr. Zimmer talks about actually progressed. Mr. Zimmer, again, when you listen to this, I would love to sit down and talk to you about this because there is something, and this is going to sound really mean and cruel, and I, I don't mean it to, I really don't, but we do have something called cognitive bias. And basically, this is our brain's means, the way that it processes information into simple ways or simple bits so that we can understand something super quickly. It's a natural thing that happens. We all do this, and it's very, very easy to do. Now, one way this happens is our attitudes toward history. It's actually a form of bigotry and cognitive bias. I know those are very dark words, and I don't mean them to be, but hear me out. For example, there's a sense of bigotry in all of us. We, We all do this. That we think somehow we are a lot smarter than people of antiquity, people of history. For for example, I can't even imagine going to a public hanging and holding my daughter's hands and bringing them there so that they could actually watch such a thing. To me, that is, that's unfathomable that any parent would do that and think that this is a good outing for my kids to see. Actually, this was quite common. Society did this. This is one of the things they did. And for them, it was a way to, well, scare the bejeebers out of people to not steal and not do things that would cause the government to hang you. But we consider this bigotry. And uh, even though we, we see things very, very differently, that's just an example. Uh, another one would be this. When you think about pioneers traveling across the, the West in the 1750s, right? Traveling West through the wilderness of America, you know, we often think, well, they're not nearly as smart as we are, right? I mean, we put people on the moon, Definitely much smarter than these these people. Well, obviously, in some ways, we are. We do have many more advances in technology or in medicine or something like that. But listen to something. By the way, I was thinking about this and I thought, you died of dysentery. Some of you, you're giggling because you grew up playing uh, Oregon Trail. But that's what this is about. But listen to this. Are we really smarter than those people that did that? Think about it. Would you be able to travel across the wilderness in nothing but a wagon (laughs) and actually not die uh, dysentery? Would you be able to do that? Would you even be able to, listen carefully, would you even be able to butcher a chicken and eat it and not die from, I don't know, salmonella or something? (laughs) Maybe we're not nearly as smart as we think we are. How about surviving only a few hours, much less a few years, without electricity? Maybe we're not as smart as we think we are. You know, time marching on is not necessarily making us smarter. But that's that's where that uh, bias comes in and that bigotry comes in. Well, let's talk about music. How does music simply progress because of the marching of time? 
Are you able to confidently say that the music of the Renaissance is not as complicated as the music of the Bee Gees? <laughs> Again, I actually like the Bee Gees. I grew up with that. It's nostalgia, but think about it. You know, is it really progress or is it just something different? I suggest that what Mr. Zimmer really ought to say is that maybe in the future, if I were to use his words, maybe in the future humans will find that most music uses irregular beats simply because tastes change. Wouldn't that be kind of cool? So the bottom line, or in the final analysis, what I'm saying is that most music in the future will not use regular beats and or a steady beat. That would have been a great way of saying that. Uh, This is simply recognizing that society changes its tastes in music. But that change does not reflect necessarily a progression of intelligence. It is nothing more than a change of preference. And wow, again, I'm completely out of time. I've only talked about the first two sentences. So this will be part one, and next week will be part two. And I will see you then. Have a great day.